0: do you think is the best way to grow your podcast audience and your professional network? This is a topic that could be debated and very hotly by anyone who works in podcasting, but pretty much everyone I think would agree that if being a guest on other people's podcasts isn't the very best method, it's high on the list. Pitching well, which is to say effectively and in a manner that results in guest appearances and new professional relationships, is one of those things that is simple but not easy. See, it's simple. Find complimentary shows, communicate your value, bring your best content, and generally be a helpful and gracious guest. But not easy. Because how do you pitch? And are you good enough? And will they listen to you? And how much research do you need to do? And how long is this all going to take? And do you have to promote your episode once it's live? And what if no one says yes? Maybe I'm the only one who gets a little in my head about all of this, but I don't think that's terribly likely. And happily, I have recently connected with an absolute expert in the art of guest pitching, and using those relationships that you start to build to grow your business. Angie Trueblood is the founder of the Podwise Group and host of the Go Pitch Yourself podcast. She's joining me today to dig into how, why, when, and where to pitch yourself as a guest on other shows. And that's what we're doing on the Business Podcast Blueprint Show. All right, Angie, hello. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so glad to see you today. Oh, Megan, I'm so happy to see you again. Thank you for having me on the show. Perfect. So let's jump right in with things. What are your favorite podcasts that you are listening to at the moment? So I listen
1: to a variety of genres. I've recently gotten into true crime, but I specifically like true crime shows that have an ending. I don't love Mm. when (laughs) it is unresolved. So you're
0: just like my partner. They won't listen to anything that doesn't have a conclusion. They're just like, no, I don't need that living in my head.
1: (laughs) No, I know. I need a list of the shows they're listening to. So I listen to the prosecutors and that's Mm -hmm. really fascinating because it's two attorneys and they're telling the story, which I love. They're expert storytellers, but then they're also hitting it kind of from the legal angle, which is really different. So I love that. Business wise, I'm listening to Stacking Your Team with Shelly Warren, all about leadership Mm -hmm. and leading a team. And then my all time go to is Smartless with Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and Sean Hayes. It's hilarious. They're so sharp and it's incredible.
0: It's one of my favorite podcasts. Very cool. One of my favorites that I've recently started listening to is Go Pitch Yourself. Oh. Love your show. Love the people that you talk to and the stuff that you think about. When did you start your podcast? So we launched in
1: September of 2019. So almost three years ago. Not a bad I anniversary. Know. Congratulations. Thank you. We made it.
0: <laughs> awesome. And what kind of made you get into podcast pitching in the first place? Because as, as you know, everyone will have heard at the top, you are the expert when it comes to the art of pitching yourself as a guest on podcasts. Yeah. And so how, how did you get into that? It's really specific, like super niche. How, how did yeah. you get there?
1: Well, and we think about going even more niche a little sometimes. We explore that as well. But I had a previous business in the meal planning space where I was helping moms and parents learn how to meal plan for families. And mm-hmm. in that space, I had created an online course and I pitched myself for interviews on podcasts and local media just as a way to grow my audience. And I was able to see the impact that that had on my audience size. And eventually friends and colleagues started asking, well, how did you land that interview? How did you get the local news channel to do a spot on you in your kitchen? And my answer was always that I just asked. And I quickly learned that wasn't everyone else's go-to, that they did not enjoy pitching. I saw it more as an outreach to create a connection, and it was just an ask for a collaboration because I recognized there were win-win opportunities. But when I started to see that this sort of gift that I had was not something that other people had and that they needed it, then I kind of beta tested a couple of clients back in 2017, and it just grew from there. And we quickly scaled, or we quickly niched into podcast pitching
0: and not pitching for media or written publications. What are some of the differences in between pitching for podcasts and then pitching for those other publications? Because I mean, I guess it kind of all seems like pitching on the surface, but I'm I'm guessing there's more nuance involved.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, for media, like television media and online media, I feel like it's very time sensitive. So the topics that you need to pitch. Typically, I mean, there are definitely evergreen topics that you can pitch, but you're also competing with whatever is happening in the general political space or environmental space. Mm-hmm. Like whatever is happening in the news cycle, you are competing with that to get your story picked up, which over the last couple of years, I have friends who are in the media pitching space and it's been a lot of competition to have. A traditional business story, like make it to the top of the news stack. And also, I feel like for me to have gotten excellent results for our clients, it was more of a numbers game. Whereas in the podcasting Mm -hmm. space, it's really about building relationships and having this long form conversation. It just felt more human to me, even though that's not taking away at all from journalists or television personalities. It's just the relationship part of what I do was far more of a better fit in the podcasting space than in other types of earned visibility spaces.
0: I can see that. That makes sense. And I guess now that, because you're podcasting and you're teaching how to pitch on podcasting, you must get pitched a lot for your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) What is that like as such an
1: insider? Well, it's interesting because there's just, An entire gamut of pitches. And, you know, I think sometimes podcast pitching agencies get a a bad rap. And I Mm -hmm. take that personally because we kind of come under that umbrella, even though we're more of a micro agency. So I see great pitches come from individuals and we've gotten great pitches from other agencies. And I've also seen the flip side of it. And I'm not a tech wizard, but there are definitely ways that people are getting email addresses Of podcast hosts and emailing them. If it's not in bulk, they're at least creating some sort of general database with email addresses and just Mm -hmm. pitching out the same templated email to those hosts. So we do see a lot of that to where the topic is totally misaligned. I mean, the show is go pitch yourself and it doesn't take any amount of time to recognize that we are really focused on pitching for visibility opportunities or something in the podcasting space. And we get, really random topics that get pitched to us. And sometimes no topic at all. It's just a description of who the guest is. I'm sure you have seen all of it.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. I think that they must pull our email addresses from Apple Podcasts or somewhere else where it has to be publicly available. I got one. It was just this week, actually. And it was uh, talking about how great this awesome guest in a completely unrelated industry was. And it was one email, so I just ignored it, as you do. Yeah. And then I got a follow-up being like, no, really, this guest super wants to be on your show. And I'm just like, I really don't think that's true. Yeah. And then <laughs> the owner... You're like, prove it. <laughs> this, is like, this is apparently this expert in like e-commerce. And I'm just like, cool. I don't know nothing from e-commerce. <laughs> <laughs> so the owner of the company then came back. and He's like, oh, you know, I'm sorry. My, my assistant didn't do enough research. But, you know, hey, I'm a pitcher for all of these cool podcasts. Do you want to jump on my calendar and have a call? No, no. <laughs>
1: no, just send me a list. I mean, like that's what we do to some of the people that we've got close relationships. We mm-hmm. can just send a list of who we have as clients or as co-op members who are people that we also support in pitching. And you know, then we'll flesh out a topic for them. I mean, you've got to really connect the dots for the host because- yeah. You don't have time to sit around and get pitches from random people that you don't know and figure out how they might be a good fit for your show. No
0: one's going to say yes to that. <laughs> but I think that's something that I know our, our clients ask us a lot. You know, is this pitch legitimate? Is this pitch real? What? How would you evaluate a pitch, especially from a third party? Because I know I know it is legitimate for there to be third party pitches. Mm-hmm. You know, you like people have assistants that do that kind of legwork. There are great agencies that do it, but there's a little bit of a, oh, this isn't from the person themselves. Do they really know me kind of feeling? So yeah. how do you make that sort of judgment or how do you advise people to?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm obviously a fan of third party pitches because that is a big part of our business. But I think there's a difference. It's interesting when you said that your clients ask, is this real? Like, is this actually coming from someone? Because mm-hmm. the pitches that leave our inbox come from Kim Stewart, primarily, who is our outreach executive. She does the pitching after we, she helps create the strategy Mm -hmm. and she makes personal connections with the host. So there's never a doubt that Kim was sending that email to that host or that assistant. And so that's really all in the personalization of the email and how Mm -hmm. familiar you become with the show before you send it. It's interesting because it's changing like When I got into this almost five years ago, there weren't a lot of people out there, even pitching. It didn't matter if it was from an Mm -hmm. agency or an individual. Not a lot of people were doing that. They weren't landing these opportunities. They didn't know the impact that it could have. And now the space is just much more crowded. So for me, if I don't feel like they have a grasp of what my show is about, and honestly, I don't care if they listen to it. There's ways to find out what my show is about. In order to know if you could come up with a topic that's relevant, that's what I always look for is just, yeah. are they giving me a topic that makes sense? Because if it doesn't, then I know they for sure haven't paid any attention to what is publicly available.
0: I mean, they, I mean at least do the bare minimum of research, yeah.
1: right? Like, like,
0: Read the <laughs> Apple podcast
1: description. Tells you exactly what my intent is with the show. There's the bar, everybody.
0: <laughs> yeah, like that's it. <laughs> Perfect. So like, I'd love to hear just something a little bit more about your business ecosystem, the different things you've mentioned. there's the Podwise group uh, and you've got your podcast itself. Mm-hmm. I know you do, you do, you know, micro agency or agency work in pitching. So just kind of what does it all look like together?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely evolved over the years and it's funny because we've added on things and we've never really taken anything away, which sometimes I wonder, is that the way I should be doing this?
0: You're the boss of your business.
1: Yeah, I mean, we started as me pitching clients one-on-one, me doing the legwork and all of it. And we've kept that. That is sort of the bulk of our business and what we are known for is the concierge pitching to where we partner very closely with a business owner or someone on their team, depending on how they're structured. And we develop their strategy, their pitch template. We decide which shows to pitch them to and what topics. And we do all of that for them. We have more of a consulting package. We call it the jumpstart because it really does help a team or an individual get what they need to get started pitching quickly. So they don't have to, if they know they don't wanna hire us on an ongoing basis, if they want this marketing effort to be an internal process that they can kind of flex whenever they need it, then we'll create that pitch template. We'll give Mm -hmm. them a pitch list We'll give them access to trainings that show them how to pitch, and then they go off and do it. And we actually have one client who we are refilling her pitch list because she and her team have pitched all the shows that we initially gave them, and she's like, "I don't want to refill it. I want you to refill it." So <laughs> that's what we're doing. And it's great. It's like such a fun way to see a business that doesn't have the bandwidth for a full on marketing team. But they're able to pull what they need from the experts and then go and execute on their own behalf, which is really, I think, what a lot of us in this more solopreneur, you know, to a couple of employees, contractors are really looking for.
0: Yeah. Jenny Blake calls them delightfully tiny teams. Yeah. 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 Because sometimes when you are taking on a new task like this, often it really is easier to just find a particular subject matter expert and just get them yeah. to do the thing. Yes. <laughs> and, it, especially pitching. I mean, maybe uh, you you can enlighten me on this a little more because I feel like it's one of those things that is very well understood as best practice. Yeah. Everyone knows that if you're a podcast host, you should be out pitching yourself. But it's, I know now that I'm a podcast host myself, I believe thoroughly that I should be doing it frequently, and I almost never do.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're not alone, Megan. You're
0: not I alone. I figure I wasn't alone. Just, what is your professional opinion on what I'm sure is my very common condition?
1: <laughs> I mean, a lot of times it is because people haven't done it enough to have realized the impact it can have. Mm -hmm. Because people can tell you all day, every day, hey, the best way to grow your show is by being on other people's shows. But if that has not been your experience, then why would you invest time that you don't actually have available to you? Why would you find the time to go out and learn something new and Mm -hmm. hope that you figure it out? And that's where that jumpstart package is perfect because they get our strategy brain And then most people have someone on their team that can do the executing on their behalf, Mm -hmm. which is nice because it really gets you closer to being able to keep that as an internal process. So it's not a complicated process, podcast pitching and guesting, but there is a lot of strategy and there's a lot of moving parts. And so it's pricey to outsource it completely. You know what I mean? That's not where everyone wants to use their money to invest, especially if they've never done it and they don't know the ROI on it for them.
0: And well, let's, I'm just going to bring in this because we all know what cheap looks like. And it's that example we were talking about earlier that was sent bulk sent to everyone. You can get cheap. Yeah. (laughs) But if you want it to work and be effective, you're always going to pay in some way, you're going to pay in time or you're going to pay in money or or it's going to be one or the other.
1: Or your reputation. Because so now... People send me bad pitches. They're like, "Angie, look at this pitch that I just got," and do you have friends a of, of shame. Mine. Oh, I have a whole folder in my email
0: inbox. <laughs> now there's a cocktail party right there.
1: I know. I feel like it's a private podcast.
0: That would be so much fun for your members,
1: right? I know. <laughs> You've got to do that. I know. But I had a friend that sent me one a couple of weeks ago, and. It was pitched through a third party agency, and her all that her email to me said was, Can you believe someone paid for this? Mm. But it's sad on so many angles because it diminishes the reputation it is an extension of that person's brand, the person yeah. that is being pitched, and so you can't really change in your mind how they were positioned in that pitch, even if it wasn't them. So I think your reputation's
0: important. It's such an impression too, because like once when I get a pitch like that, I'm just like, I mean I don't consciously remember the name, but if it comes up somewhere else, I like I check my inbox every time I meet a new person. It's just like, have we been in touch before? What is the context for this? Yeah, it comes back, and I mean, maybe that's one of the reasons I find like it is nerve-wracking. I guess pitching it feels still a little presumptuous to me, and I don't know if that's just lack of experience or still a lack of confidence. But it's just like, oh, I why would they want to talk to me? <laughs> I'm not going to go take up their time or their inbox. How do you help people get around that?
1: Well. I would say for you, I'm going to send you one of our pitches. I don't know if we've actually pitched you, but I'll send you one because that is one of the things we call it being assumptive because a lot of the language and pitches that we see that we don't say yes to are written in a way that almost puts the host on the defensive in Mm -hmm. the sense of you would be an idiot not to say yes to have me on your show because I am so great. Making someone feel like that. Oh, that. Oh, right. So you would never do that, but sometimes it's not having, again, not having seen the language of a pitch that feels like, hey, I have an idea for something that might really be able to serve your audience. I want to throw it out at to you. And if it's a good fit, cool, let's move forward. If it's not, we can still stay connected. And that's really the energy that our pitches go out with. They're definitely mm-hmm. longer and include more information but it's all around the idea of hey we discovered your show we don't act like we're a giant fan and have been listening for a year and a half
0: oh good, good. I feel like that is so insincere when i see that in posts too it. yeah <laughs> our pitches typically are like i discovered
1: your podcast and i really appreciate how you are doing this thing that is very specific to that host and that show and then i noticed you haven't talked about xyz in a while or mm. I noticed you've never talked about this. I had an idea. We have a client who does this and we thought there might be a conversation to be had here and we wanted to get your thoughts on it. And then we lay out the topic. Maybe that as a coaching moment is Mm -hmm. where you are having the challenge is because Mm -hmm. the pitch is so less about the person and much more about the topic. So it's almost like removed. Yes, we like to include credibility metrics and things like that so that the host knows, okay, she's done audio recordings before. If she has, your bio definitely shares that you are an expert in audio. (laughs) And so I think if you reframe it of I'm suggesting this topic and if they don't think this topic is a
0: good fit, that's cool. That's nothing on me. Okay. Does that feel easier? It does feel good. It does feel good. And I, I think I'm just going to have to take that on board. Yeah, because I have to do it. As we'll be getting to a little later in the episode, yeah. there is going to be a condensed week of pitching awesomeness. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to have massive impact.
1: <laughs> yeah. Or I'm going to force a lot of people who are hesitant to pitch to just do it.
0: <laughs> it's one of those things that it really does get so much easier. As it, like I remember the first couple of interviews I conducted on the show. We're totally nerve-wracking as well and now it's a much more comfortable activity and pitching must be exactly the same way yeah i need to stop being such a, a horrible hypocrite because i am telling clients all the time you have to be out and pitching yourself if you want to see any trash yeah <laughs> we'll be right back in just a moment and now back to the show
1: So Rachel Cook was my coach back when I launched the show. And I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I had the great idea. I was going to launch a twice a week show and publish weekly. And Mm -hmm. Rachel was like, girl, are you pitching yourself regularly? And at that point, I wasn't. I mean, we were pitching our clients left and right. She really reiterated the fact, I mean, kind of like what we tell our clients to grow your audience, to grow your own podcast, you need to be on other people's shows. And here I was planning a frequency of publication that wouldn't allow me to be interviewed on other people's shows, much less actually pitch them, you know, because you have to think about that too. When you're figuring out your frequency for pitching, you have to allow time for following up and for actually guesting.
0: Oh, yeah. Actually actually being on podcasts, too, yeah, is part I mean, of it. Yeah. That's the fun part. <laughs> the payoff. Oh, gosh, how much time do I save by not sending my pitches, right? Like, <laughs> so there's much. my hack for the week. <laughs> You're so Let's productive, Megan. <laughs> Let's say though, someone is going to be diligent and dedicated and do their project. How much time do you recommend someone does kind of put aside say, as a solopreneur or as someone, you know, who's running their business A podcast is just part of it? What's a a reasonable investment to plan to make in the time for pitching?
1: I think once you get your system set up, which means you've got your pitch template, you probably have a pitch list with maybe 10 shows to kind of get you rolling. You have a one sheet if you've gotten to the point where you want one. Like you have everything in place or you're just sitting down to send the pitches. Easily two hours a week would be plenty of time to be able to get two pitches out every single week and do the required follow-up. If you wanna stretch it in the beginning because you are getting some of your ducks in a row, if you're not outsourcing that part of it, you could lean up to five hours a week. But that's where inside of the co-op, which is our membership community where we support people who are pitching themselves, we have a four and four approach to where once you have pitched for a while and gotten acceptances, then you can calculate roughly how many pitches you need to send to be able to land for opportunities a month, which would be just going mm. on a show every single week. And then just the beauty of that is they just come out, you know, and they don't all come out week by week. Sometimes you'll get three in one week and a couple weeks with none. But the beauty is you just
0: have this consistent, slow burn of visibility and exposure. I like that. And it really, it's one of those things that really does build up traction over time. Because, you, know, you the more you do, the more people hear you. And then all of a sudden you're you're being heard everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, you become one of those voices and those experts that people expect to hear in the spaces you're playing in. Yeah.
1: And you get invited. I mean, that's the other part of it is mm. as you pitch one, you get better at it. So you don't need to send as many pitches to get the same number of yeses. Although you should always start stretching the size shows that you pitch to. As you get better and you land shows, you should definitely want to get in front of bigger audiences. But then you also get invited to be on other people's shows and virtual summits or the symposium that I'm doing next month. And so for me, that like ticks off one of my weekly visibility opportunities. So I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, that week I have something planned. This next week I have a podcast interview. And so it just allows you to not have to do so much grinding, if you will. To land the opportunities,
0: after a while, I like that a lot. And, and you work with people at all on kind of how to prepare to be a guest. So the, the pitching works. Kind of, what would you recommend to someone, especially if they're not so used to it, or maybe you even do don't have their own podcast yet, but they're pitching themselves? How do you get ready to be a good guest on a show? Your favorite tips, maybe?
1: Yeah. Well, a lot of our clients don't have shows when they come to us who want us to pitch them, but then. Eventually, a lot of them end up launching their own show because they get the bug and they realize how much they love podcasts as a medium. So that's the first thing is we normally are helping them. We audit their podcast interviews. So if they come to us having recorded an interview on someone else's show, we'll give it a quick listen and give some tips and recommendations. And then when they're with us, definitely their first interview that goes live, we give them an audit of that as well. So today, when we were recording, we just had an episode of Go Pitch Yourself, Go Live with a new client of ours, Shanice Miller. She's an expert in product management, which is not my skill set. But when we got on the call, because she hadn't been interviewed on podcasts before, but she had built a successful business and she had previously built a business and sold it. So I knew taking her on as a client, she knew what she was doing. She would just need some refining in this space. And we actually had a coaching segment that I had hit record for, and we ended up publishing it on what are you going to invite people at the end of the interview to do? Like, if they love you, how can they connect with you? So we talked through her calls to action. So I think that's something for listeners who are thinking of being a guest is figure out what you want the listener to do if they are interested in working with you or want to learn more about you or stay connected with you on social get that kind of tightened up beforehand so Mm -hmm. that you feel confident going into that. The other thing that's really important, and I actually emailed you about this because I'm creating a new training module on it, is storytelling. So, I mean, I've shared inside of our co-op and with clients the importance of bringing your expertise to life on a show by telling stories. So you don't just give facts of like, this is how we do it but share the depth of I've worked with this client before and like mm-hmm. share how you helped them and what the impact was. So we're doing more help with storytelling because I think that's sometimes where guests, they just get nervous, right? About the content. Yeah. And if you know, you have some really descriptive examples of different things that you can share with hosts, then you already know
0: you have content to share. So it's not that intimidating. I love that when we tell our clients and our hosts this all the time is, you know, practice your anecdotes. It doesn't come out the first time sounding perfect. You can refine it. You can practice it. You can test your timing. And like, if you've got a good handful of like 10 really good anecdotes, you can can bring them out to fit purpose. Yeah. And
1: I think also dripping through the interview, what you're ultimately going to share with them. So if listeners have listened to the beginning of this interview, they know I have a podcast called Go Pitch Yourself. And it wasn't because you formally asked me, like, what is that show and what is it about? But I've been able to kind of plant seeds throughout that I have that and a membership and listeners know that we work with clients, right? So it's getting comfortable sharing things about yourself in an authentic way, because mm-hmm. we've definitely heard people complaining about guests that show up and just want to pitch their thing. So I think if you practice... Everyone hates that. <laughs> yes, it's awful. But if you can tell stories where you just plant seeds and it's a normal part of conversation, then the listener starts to, in their mind, create a fuller sense of who you are. And that's really what I want is at the end of interviews, listeners to know if I am for them and not to pay me, but like if I am someone they want to kind of stick with or if I'm not for them. I mean, 30 minutes, you should be able to figure that out. I feel like if you're being yourself. Oh,
0: no. In 30 minutes? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So you mentioned that audits are part of the services you provide. And let me know if this is asking too much of a a trade or an insider secret, but what's the top thing you're looking for when you're auditing someone's guest appearance?
1: Okay. So it's really these three key parts. And Mm. actually we had a podcast interview on that. And I don't know if we had a download that even included our audit, like the form. I know it's in the co-op of the actual audit form that we use for clients, the three key pieces, I mean, there's sound, there's all the things you would think about. Like, do you sound like you're in a cave? No, carry on. But in terms of content, <laughs> that first bio, when the host says, tell me a little bit about what you do. And there's no magic bullet for what that's supposed to sound like. I just wanna make sure it sounds natural that it doesn't go on for five minutes without the host like interjecting. One of the things we do is if I hear the guest talking for a long period of time without the host talking, sometimes I'll be like, oh, there was this like seven minute period of time. Like we need to bring the host into the conversation because
0: that's mm-hmm. who the listener showed up to listen to is the host, right? Yeah. I'd sometimes advise people, don't let your guests give their own bios. Don't do it. Don't let them do it. <laughs> Yeah. Because I mean, not everyone has had the training from you (laughs) to be (laughs) concise. And I mean, like stories are interesting. What's the stories of where people are coming from is interesting, but honestly, I don't care what you learned in elementary school and how it impacted you as an entrepreneur.
1: (laughs) Well, I have shared this story before, but the first podcast interview I was on, the host asked for a bio and I didn't come from a communications or journalism or PR background. I came from biology. Like I was in grad school and I did research. And so I sent like a little synopsis of my CV. It shared where I went to school. So
0: precious.
1: It, <laughs> and then after, because she read it, I also don't like that. I feel like if you're the host and you're going to introduce the guest, it's just awkward. I don't like when the bio is read when I'm listening to it, but thank God she did because I heard her reading it. And that's when everything clicked for me, because I was able to imagine <laughs> being the listener, being like, I don't care where this girl went to graduate school. Oh, it's such a mess.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh, we all have those. And you know, it, it, but what a gift that ended up being for you to get that kind of insight and that, that knowledge. Man, it's fun to think about those. Yeah, that moment right after that, you've said something, and you're just like, Oh, no, that didn't come out the way I wanted it to. Or just after you're just like, oh no, that was a terrible choice. It's out there now. We're just gonna have to deal with that.
1: (laughs) I tried to offer to her for her to, you know, like, oh, here's a better bio if you want to read it later. (laughs) And I think she just published it how it was. I'll have to find it. I'll send it to you, and we can just laugh about it.
0: (laughs) Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, I remember it was our first couple of episodes on this show, and the uh, my audio was so bad. I don't know, was like embarrassingly bad for a producer and but we kept it up because it's just like okay here's what it sounds like when it's wrong yeah now it's a great teaching tool that we have up there but it's still oh it's It's amazing
1: (laughs) i will say the two other parts that we audit just so that we loop your listeners back into it is the storytelling which we've already talked about it's are you planting seeds are you telling really great stories and then the call to action which we also talked about it's the beginning, yeah. the middle and the end that we listen to to make sure it just sounds conversational, but it's also hitting what's important to them and their listeners.
0: I love that. I love that concept of planting seeds, too, because I mean, often you do worry about, you know, because you want to share what you do and then who you are. I mean, like, especially when you're podcasting, it's part of work. Yeah. And it's not just for the joy of your heart. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, this, is, this is a strategy so yes, it's nice for to have sure. a way that still feels good to be able to do that. As yeah. I really like that. All right. So, I mean, we talked about this a little bit. Let's, let's maybe dig into it a little more because it's a lot of fun. What are some weird or wonky things that can happen either when you are a guest or when you have a guest who's been pitched? Like, just what are some, a couple stories maybe about your experiences with the wilder side of podcast guesting? Oh, okay. So, first of all, the tech, like that is
1: the one big variable that can always go wonky, no matter how many times you've done it, no matter mm-hmm. how seasoned the host is. We have all had those weird times to where your microphone isn't picking up. I had an interview one time and we were supposed to interview through Riverside and it would not pick up my microphone. And to this day, I still have no idea why we're literally recording on Riverside right now and it's picking up my microphone. I have no idea. So my recommendation on that for listeners, and this doesn't matter if you have hosted for 10 years, guested for 20 Show up early to the interview so that you have time to see. Okay, my mic isn't picking up. I might need to restart. And in this case, I want to let the host know. That's why it's great to have phone numbers beforehand. So when we pitch clients, we make sure the host has their phone number so that they can get in touch if something weird with the tech happens. I'm sure you've had weird tech situations.
0: Absolutely. We've had to like pivot and record on Zoom. And we've had like a a, Riverside is largely a very reliable software. I'm I'm a big fan of them. The quality is good. But every now and then there's a sync issue. It happens. (laughs) That'd be super weird. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, it's tech. It breaks. Mm -hmm. But I think you make a good point to be prepared for it. And for all of you hosts listening, add to your booking form a phone number where your guests can be reached in case of emergency. You would hate to want it and not have. And for
1: guests, one of the things that we do is once we have booked a show for our clients is we send an email with all of their links, all of their bio, their headshot, and we do include the phone number. So from the guest perspective too, if the host is not giving that to you, feel free to lead the charge. Hosts totally appreciate that. I want more than anything else to have a guest who is prepared and taking this opportunity seriously. So if they proactively send me information that's going to help negate any weird things happening, perfect. Like I'm your biggest fan.
0: (laughs) It's almost coming back to the the original ideas of hosting and guessing before podcasts were ever a thing is, you know, the idea is to be solicitous and gracious with the person that you're engaging with. There's a responsibility almost in both hosting and guesting to make it a pleasant experience for the other person. Let's bring more of that back. The very traditional. I feel like you're
1: teeing me up for all of this. We have an episode literally called How to Be a Gracious Guest
0: and Host. <laughs> this is why we get along. <laughs> this is one of the people we had our first get to know you call, and it was like, oh goodness, we've been friends for years. This is fantastic. <laughs> we, what if we talked for an hour and a half? It was great. <laughs> it was ridiculous. And I loved every minute of me too. it. <laughs> me too. Well, there's yeah. just a couple of more things. I know you, yeah. you do have to. A certain leaving point that you've got to make. But I really would like to ask you, what are some of the other than spray and pray? What are mistakes that people can make when they're thinking that they should just try to avoid?
1: It's interesting. It's actually not including things that would help the host make a decision. Because again, we're not trying to strong arm the host into saying yes, if it's actually not a good fit for their audience. We are offering them up an opportunity to collaborate. And if they think it's a good fit, then they will say yes. But as a podcast host, there are things that you need in order to make that decision. The first we've talked about, which is pitching a specific topic. So you don't, just, so share, you don't just share like who you are and 10 topics that you could talk about. You share a tiny bit about who you are, basically why you're qualified to talk on this and then share a topic that would be relevant for that show and that audience, because then the host can really gauge whether it's a good fit. Two other things to include that I don't think everyone, especially some of the pitches I've seen, this drives me nuts, when there's no hyperlinks in the pitch. So Mm -hmm. if you pitch Suzy Q and the topic sounds interesting, well, I want to go and check out What's she doing on Instagram or what's on her website? You know, I'm gonna do my due diligence in making sure the people that I choose to share my audience with, I take my audience very seriously. And the people that I choose to put in front of them, I want to make sure that they're a good fit. And if I have to go Google Suzy's <laughs> name to find information about her, that just takes time and I'm likely not gonna do it. And then lastly including a link to where I can get some kind of audio sample whether that is a link to the show right. she hosts one thing that we do for clients and we coach to in the co-op is creating an, just a, a headliner audiogram if you've been a guest somewhere else you can pull the audio right into headliner or canva you can do any like you can do this in a million different programs now and if you've never guested and you've never hosted maybe you've done a facebook live or Maybe you just go in Zoom and record a 60-second snippet of you talking about something you know, that would be relevant to that pitch, but really letting the host hear you because that is the medium that they will be showcasing you in. So I want to know if you've got good audio and if you can formulate intelligent
0: ideas. Thank you so much for that tip. I had never heard that before, and that makes so much sense and is so smart. And I thank you. That's one of the many gems you have shared today for which I'm appreciative.
1: (laughs) Well, and I got that from a previous, we had an assistant two and a half years ago and I had known her forever. And when Mm -hmm. she came on board, she had pitched a couple of clients on her own. And I was like, well, send me some pitches. I want to make sure, you know, this is a good fit. And she had that audio snippet in there. And I was like, girl, we're taking that. We're
0: doing that. (laughs) I love how these things grow and develop over time, being able to kind of constantly keep learning and refining is, is such a trait. We alluded to this a little bit throughout. You've got an event coming up that is yes. going to be very exciting. That I'm very excited about and I'm going to be personally participating in. I think it's going to be great. Would you tell us about it, please?
1: Yeah. So we are hosting a five-day free challenge. This is the 5 and 5 podcast pitching challenge. We hosted this in the springtime and It may have been my favorite work week of the year. So people come and they join the challenge and we deliver video tutorials, a workbook, a dashboard. We have live Q&As every single day where I and my team helps support business owners in sending out five pitches to five different podcast hosts over the course of five days. And it sounds crazy and it sounds like a big lift, but we make it totally doable we really stay focused. So you're not pitching a bunch of different topics. You're not even pitching a bunch of different niches. We're getting very clear in the beginning of the week, getting the work done and getting those pitches sent out. And last time that we ran it, we had people who had yeses by the end of the week and people who had never pitched that sent out five pitches. It is so fun. And the community part of it just
0: makes my day. I think that sounds absolutely excellent. It is going to be a highly supported crash course in pitching. So you will, of course, find all of the information and details about it in the show notes. And I think it would be great if everyone came and joined us there. It's going to be really fun. I think especially if you have been a little nervous and maybe you are like me and you get in your own head about the pitching a little bit. This is the way, I think, to just rip the bandaid off and do it a whole bunch and start gaining that comfort with doing so. And if you're listening,
1: Megan is an affiliate for this, which I so (laughs) appreciate. And you have your link at net slash pitching challenge. So if you're That's listening, pop over, sign up and start September 12th. So you'll want to get in at least the week before if you can, because we'll go ahead and open the community a couple of days before.
0: And I think it would also be amusing to relate that I was very happy to promote just because I like Angie and I like Angie's work. And I said, I don't need an affiliate Like She's just like, don't be ridiculous. <laughs> she will not take <laughs> That's my not money. how this works. <laughs> <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Take that, listeners.
1: <laughs> so I'm telling the story. Megan was a guest expert. We call them visiting professors inside of the co-op. It's our membership. And we pay them because I feel like we should get paid and I will do my part in paying. And Megan's like, no, I don't need the money. Just pay it forward. And so we did end up donating it to a
0: charity. But I have tried to give you money, girl. Tried. Well, trying. all right. This time this time you win. You win. And it is an affiliate link, but know that I would happily promote it either way. So. Yeah.
1: Well, and the challenge is free. So unless you the join the co op,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Megan makes no money unless
0: you join. <laughs> well, Andy, thank you so much for doing this. Other than joining the challenge, where would you like people to connect with you?
1: Yeah, they can definitely listen to the podcast, go pitch yourself, you can see what we're all about. And then Everything you would need to connect with us, see if we would want to work together is over at thepodwisegroup.com
0: and that's podwise with a Z. So just remember that little tidbit. Perfect, excellently noted. Angie, thank you so much. Really appreciate you. you and can't wait for the challenge. Yes, this is great. Thank you, Megan. So here's our question for this week. How do I prepare to conduct an interview with someone that I don't know very well? Preparing for interviews can be one of the larger investments of time that you make in your podcast. But in my opinion, it's an extremely worthwhile one. Interviews, whether they are conversational or informational, sound better when they are planned and prepared for with specific goals in mind. What your goals are is, of course, going to depend on the type of podcast that you are creating. But if you're going to go through all of this trouble to find, invite, and record with experts, then taking advantage of their expertise and setting them and yourself up to sound really great by thinking about what you want to communicate for your audience is going to be really worth the time. So here are some things to consider as you're planning what to ask a guest uh, that either you're planning to invite on your show or that you have invited and has said yes that you don't necessarily know very well before you're going to be getting on the call and having a conversation with them. So what does this person know that you don't? How did they learn or develop that skill or knowledge? What do they recommend that other people do to be successful at their area of expertise? And what are mistakes that people should avoid? What has this person done that you admire? What might your audience want to know about this person's area of expertise? What situations or events brought them to their current place of expertise? That's the kind of thinking you wanna be doing as you're preparing an interview. Really think about where are the areas that your guest can provide information or join you in conversation and really add value to the sum total of knowledge that you're accumulating on your podcast and within your business. So don't be afraid to push for information and follow up a little more if you think there's more to the story or if you'd like more explicit detail about something. Remember, you are helping to curate this information for your audience. And it's not like being at a cocktail party where, you know, it's really important to be polite, and not offend anyone. Of course, you want to be polite and gracious and pleasant and make sure it's a good, comfortable experience for your guest. But you can be a little bit more forward in what you ask and how you follow up. And as with everything that you do, practice is going to make perfect. So if you don't already, start trying to think a little bit in advance about the key topics that you want to cover or the key pieces of information you want your guests to be able to convey. This is going to make better content. It's going to make for easier, more well-flowing conversations, especially as you get a little bit of practice in. And it's going to make sure that your audience is getting the most important, most valuable information that they need, making your guests look really good, giving them the chance to shine with their area of expertise. So for a podcast growth action step today, have you pitched yourself to another podcast recently? If not, the time is now. Think about shows hosted by people that you admire and serving the same or related audience. Listen to them, connect with the hosts on social media and prepare your pitches. Try making a list of 20 different shows that you might want to appear on and give yourself a budget of two to three pitches a week. Or if you want some structure and support while preparing your pitches, you can check out the Podwise Co-op and join Angie's Pitching Challenge where you will make five pitches in five days in just a couple of weeks. I know I'm going to be there. I'm really looking forward to it. And you'll find the link in the show notes or it's at onestonecreative.net slash pitching challenge is where you can get that information and sign up. So that is all for this week, folks. As always, I'm your host, Megan Doherty, and this is the Business Podcast Blueprint Show, which is created by the whole team at One Stone Creative. If you're thinking about starting a podcast for your company, you are welcome to get in touch with us using absolutely any contact form on OneStoneCreative.net, and we'd love to connect with you on social. Find us on Twitter at OneStoneC, that's at O-N-E, stone, the letter C.